was a little bit miraculous when I found my creative side because it's such a huge part of who I am now and I almost didn't find it. Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 38 of the Make and Decorate podcast. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome and thanks for listening. Uh, oh my gosh. So since the last time um, the last episode aired, we were still on daylight savings time. And then the time change happened. And then the world is, just is dark now all the time. It's like, all of a sudden, we are just in darkness, you wake up, and it's dark, you get home from work, and it's dark. Uh, so it's just a very abrupt change and um, has had an effect on a lot of people here. Not only that, but winter has come early. And it has completely kicked fall like off the calendar. You know, it's it's technically fall until December, what, 21st or whatever. But um, yeah, no, winter decided, hey, I am making an early appearance and I'm bringing the polar vortex with me. It's 19 degrees out right now as I record this, but the wind chill is three so when you go outside, it feels like three degrees and that your face is going to fall off. <laughs> that is how cold it is out there. Oh my gosh, there was just absolutely no transition. This is how it always is here. There's no transition from spring to summer, no transition from fall to winter, or sometimes there is, but this year, no, absolutely not. So anyway, oh my gosh, it's terrible. You know, on the week of Halloween, we got like this, you know, first kind of snow thing that happened. And it really bummed me out because I was just talking about how we were at the peak of the color and the trees were absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. And then as soon as the snow dumped, it killed it all. I'm driving down the street and what was once this glorious red maple tree with all the leaves, the leaves were still on it, but they were all droopy and turning brown. And oh, I was so sad. All right. Well, anyway, then I got over it a little bit. I mean, you have to, I have to have something to help me. So I, and this is not just me. It, it's kind of been like a thing here where um, I've gotten uh, into the Christmas spirit super early and I never do. I'm always one of those like, you know, let's enjoy Thanksgiving first. Let's, you know, enjoy that before we hop into our, you know, Christmas decorating music, blah, blah, blah. And no, this time for some reason, I think it's the cold weather. It, it's cold and it feels like, you know, December, January, it really feels like January, but so yeah, and I think I just I just need to like, you know, surround myself with things that make me happy because I do get that sad syndrome, the seasonal affective disorder. Um so uh I've learned that, you know, there's certain things that I can do that helps me and one of those things is to count down to the winter solstice. <laughs> and um that's why I know, you know, winter solstice is December 21st. Um, or right around that time. 
And then as soon as we hit that date, I just have the sigh of relief because I know every day after this, we get a little bit of sun, a little bit of daylight back every day. So that's helpful for me at least. Uh, and then also just to like, you know, change up the scenery around you. And so I went to Michael's and they had a huge sale. That's the other thing that's going on here. Uh, all of a sudden this year, all of the retailers are starting Black Friday and turning it into Black Friday month. So the second Halloween was over, it was like to the races with these retailers. And they're like, Black Friday prices now. Well, guess what? I think it's worked for these retailers because here I am sitting in Michael's, went in there for one thing and I have a whole cart full and I had made all of these decisions (laughs) while in the store that A, I'm changing the color scheme to my Christmas decorating uh, and B, I'm going to make a new wreath and let's see, C, uh, I'm going to hang on to my little, what I call my Charlie Brown Christmas tree one more season because I really, really, really wanted a new Christmas tree, but they are outrageously expensive. Um, I know that like once you invest in one, it's like you have it year after year after year. And um, that's one of the reasons why um, I do want to invest in my next Christmas tree. I want to invest in a nice one because the nicer ones that kind of have a little bit more of a realistic um, look and feel and fullness to them, they're really pretty. Um, I mean, if I, I, I still, I mean, I, I always loved um, real Christmas trees, but I know it's an environmental thing, but still the, the, the smell of pine, that's why I still, um, you know, Costco will sell the um, fresh pine garland and a fresh pine. I always get that every year, like a fresh pine wreath and um, garland so that I have that, that smell, um, fresh smell of the fur, whatever, Fraser fur, whatever. And, um, but um, anyway, I'm digressing again. <laughs> uh, I'm so scattered everywhere. But so yeah, uh, so I decided I'm going to wait until after Christmas and I, I want to see if the prices fall. There's um, a company that does Christmas trees really very well, Balsam Hill. Some of you may have a Christmas tree from them. They're really beautiful and gorgeous. So, um, and they've got three different levels of like realness and price points. So I like that about them. Um, they, they, they really, um, I think, give sort of a, a nice um, variation and um, levels of investment. And let me tell you, I, I saw like, you know, two and $4,000 trees on there. Holy, holy, holy. <laughs> um, but you know what? Some people live for Christmas and um, I kind of can get that, I think. So if I were like one of those people just like how we are, like, you know, other people that don't sew would think that we are off our rockers if we invest a $1,000 in a sewing machine, or even more. 
So I think uh, I kind of like equate it to that. So I mean, yeah, it, it seems like cuckoo crazy, but maybe for some people it's not. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So I'm <laughs> what I'm going to do to make my little Charlie Brown tree last another season is I I got this um, um, faux garland um, to kind of wrap in the inside and weave in between the branches to really like fill them out a little bit more and make it look a little bit more full. And really every time like the ornaments and the, the ribbons and, you know, the decorations are put on there, it still looks really pretty with the lights and everything. So yeah, um, I traditionally, uh, have decorated and my color palettes have been in the jewel tones. I really love those rich tones, especially, you know, in the December, um, you know, the red and the traditional, the reds, the greens, but also um, the teals and the deep purples. Um, there was one year Pottery Barn. This was like 20 years ago. And they had a season where they sold, it, it was a purple was the theme and it was a beautiful purple. It was a deep purple and it was a cool purple. It wasn't like a warm aubergine. It was a cool deep purple. And then they had all these frosted, um, well, they were beaded, but they looked like sugared fruits and the jingle bells were in grapes. Um, you know, designs with little purple bows on the, I mean, I went all out and I still have those decorations today and they're kind of, to me, a little like timeless. So, you know, those kind of jewel tones and I'm, I still use those. I kind of like move them around the house. So I've been, um, using those in the bathroom. Um, but now, <laughs> It's, this is a whole domino effect. So I also got, uh, got a shower curtain and little shower hooks that are Christmas. And um, I've never done that before. So you can see how this whole polar vortex, the um, time change from daylight savings. And um, yeah, it, it's just... Uh, it's definitely affected me, but I've been talking to a lot of people around me and I'm hearing the same thing. So it's not just me. <laughs> and I left you hanging on what I was changing my color scheme to. Uh, I am doing the tree. I'm not changing everything because it's, first of all, it's expensive when you change the whole, you know, color palette, but uh, the tree is going to be done in rose gold. It's so beautiful. And last year, I know, last year the rose gold was the thing. And I'm just always kind of a little rebellious with doing things right when they're like everywhere. Uh, so now that that's sort of kind of like calmed down and um, there actually still is a lot of, you know, rose gold ornaments and decorations out there. Um, and I really do love rose gold. I mean, I have it on my, I've had it on my phone case. It's on my Kindle case. It's, you know, a really pretty, I, I, I gravitate towards that, um, color. It's nice and soft, but it still has color to it. I think that's why I like it. So yeah, I saw these beautiful rose gold ornaments and, uh, so I'm going to do the tree in that, but I took a lot of time putting this stuff together and, you know, I, 
uh, kind of like made my cart a little work table and um, laying things out and people were kind of looking at me. But that's just how I design stuff. I just, you know, I can visualize it in my head and then I have to lay the stuff out and and see what works with, you know, what works with what. And um, there's, um, I mixed a little champagne with the rose gold and um, soft golds, but um, the... I, I, I still, I don't want it to be completely monochromatic. So I need like a little touch of color. So there's a real soft aqua that I think, um, could pair with it and just make it, um, a bit more interesting. And that's what I'm going to do on the wreath. Yeah, it's, it, it's exciting. And, uh, I even got a little, uh, a small tree for my sewing studio. It's so cute and it's in a little like vintage box. Yeah, it's so festive. I love it. So uh, now we're two weeks until Thanksgiving, and I haven't even given the food part of it a thought until, uh, oh, maybe like yesterday. <laughs> uh, but it's, it is kind of fun to think about the food and what, what I'm going to make. And um, I do enjoy cooking certain things um, around Thanksgiving time. In fact, um my my thing that my family loves for me to make and to bring to them is uh, uh, homemade cranberry sauce. And it's so easy to make and it's so fresh and delicious. And there are so many variations and recipes and types of cranberry sauces out there. But I really like to keep mine very simple. I don't like a lot of like mix-ins stirred into it. I just like a pure cranberry sauce. And my flavorings are, um, instead of, you know, um, simmering it with water, it's all orange juice. Oh, it's so delicious. It really brings out the cranberry flavors and plays off the tart and the sweet. And I'm, I toss a, a cinnamon stick or two in there as well to kind of, um, add warmth and deepen the flavor. And that's it. Um, I like it like pure, simple, and it's very, it's got a very fresh, uh, citrusy clean um, flavor and I love that uh, I mean I don't know maybe it's kind of like a palate cleanser per se <laughs> if we're going to get fancy in gourmet here but so that's what that's uh, the thing that I make all the time so I haven't gotten a turkey yet haven't ordered one and um it's it's almost, you know, getting too late to order if you're going to order like a special organic or heritage turkey and I just kind of confused with all of these terms, um, heritage, cross, cross heritage, bread and organic. So, um, I finally took some time and I researched this. And so this is what, this is what it is in case you don't know. The heritage turkey in order to be uh, considered a heritage turkey, and there are only eight to 10 specific breeds of turkey that can be called a heritage turkey. And of course, you know, the heritage turkeys are the most expensive turkeys. I mean, they're like $150 and up. So um, yeah, that's why I wanted to know what what really is this? <laughs> what makes it so special? And uh, these are turkeys that were are breeds that were around in the early 1950s and um, 
you know, from the the 20s, the 1920s to the 1950s, before, and then later in the 50s, then the turkeys started to get um, genetically engineered. Pretty scary, right? <laughs> so, uh, and they plumped them up, just like they do with our chickens. So yeah, the heritage birds are um, turkeys from that time period. They're smaller, they're prettier, they've mature more slowly. Uh, and they can live longer. Um, up, it says up to 15 years as opposed to a year and a half of the engineered ones, which are like the broad breasted white turkeys. So heritage turkeys may or may not be organic. Uh, so that's why these terms are confusing because they kind of like, um, you know, just, uh, it depends, I guess. And this is where we kind of have to be a little more careful of what we're buying and what we think we're buying. So there's this article I saw um, on Chowhound, and I'll put the link in the show notes because it's pretty interesting. It's titled, Don't Get Duped on Heritage Turkey. So really, uh, you've basically the bottom line is you've got to read the fine print because there can be heritage um, crossbred turkeys, and those aren't necessarily a bad thing, but you just need to know. I, I think it's good to know what you are buying and what you're getting and if something is being mismarketed to you. So yeah, that's, um, that is, that cleared it up for me. I, uh, I understand what, what they are. And, um, it also explains kind of like the price points of these because, the heritage turkeys are very expensive to raise. And um, t- these days, because of how the, um, you know, the processing has gone over the years to commercial. But um, I think I'm just going to go organic um, this year. I, I, I don't need to um, spend $160 on a turkey. And Butterball has some nice natural turkey selections too. So All right, now I'm getting hungry talking about all this food. Okay, we're done. Done talking about food. So I started listening to a new podcast. I mean, literally just listened to the first episode um, today. And I have to share this with you. It's so good. It is called Dolly Parton's America. And um, it's about Dolly Parton. I really like Dolly Parton. I mean, I grew up with Dolly Parton music. And um, she was in the uh, working nine to five movie in the 80s. Uh, her music is just brilliant. She is um, so talented. And but this podcast is so much more. It really um, just goes into um, the time that um, Dolly Parton, you know, um, started to become famous. And it's a specific time in history where things were very different. And how and she's such a great songwriter, because she can draw from these experiences. And um, I just, uh, it, you have to listen to it. it it's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's very interesting. So I can't wait to like go to on to the next episodes, but I wanted to share that with you and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. All right. So before I get to the um, guest, I 
I want to let you know that I got some more iTunes reviews, three in October, and um, I, I don't go and check this all the time, and I don't, there's no way that they notify you, so every, you know, I try to check it like maybe once a month, um, but I don't want to get crazy about it, of course, but when I saw this, I was, I did a little squeal because I just, when I see reviews on there and when they also are very nice and uh, positive and great reviews, even better. So thank you so much to the everyone who has taken the time to type up a review and enter it on a t- onto iTunes. And um, I have to say these three people found me through Francis Dowell's podcast, The Off-Kilter Quilt. And I did say in um, uh, an episode or so ago that um, I heard, because I listened to her podcast too. So uh, she said some very nice things and I'm so appreciative of that. And I love that, you know, uh, the podcast here um, in our, I don't know, I, I want to say industry, but our, our, our type of, of, um, hobby and craft, um, are pretty, uh, supportive of each other. And I love that. I love, you know, telling you guys about other people's podcasts that I listen to and, um, want them, you know, want you to listen to them. And, you know, it's, it's not, not at all like a, a competition thing, even though they could be considered my competition. I just don't see it that way. So, so, um, yeah, it just, uh, this, this is wonderful. Thank you so much. And, you know, it just a reminder, if you haven't done so already, um, you can uh, do an iTunes review. Um, even if you just want to click, you know, the stars and you don't want to take the time to type something. But wow, that means the world to me. And um, thank you so much. Also, thank you to um, the Patreon supporters that I have. And um Kimberly from Ohio, she is, um, she's a very generous Patreon supporter and she's on one of the, um, higher tiers of support. So I just want to give her, you know, the special recognition because, um, I didn't expect, you know, a lot of people at that level because, you know, it's, there, there's so many things today. There's so many subscriptions. So I totally get that and understand that, but I really appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, oh, and also, um, the, uh, the monthly bonus episode is coming out on Friday this week, just so you Patreon supporters know. All right. So we're going to, um, get into the guest, um, on the episode today. And as I was editing this, (laughs) uh, we talked for two hours and, uh, my guest is Tracy Claiborne. So I decided to divide it up into two episodes. So I will publish the second half of our conversation uh, in two weeks on Thanksgiving. And uh, it actually kind of divides up perfectly because in this episode, uh, Tracy is a um, scrapbook uh, kind of like professional. She has a podcast and has been doing this podcast for years. Uh, with her, she hosts with another, um, podcast, uh, <laughs> podcast. She hosts with another scrapbook person and Tiffany. So, uh, we talk about scrapbooking and, uh, she gives some really good tips because even though like a lot of us are quilters and we sew, um, 
you know, we also do kind of want to know what to do with all of these pictures we take. And even though we don't have the time, because I know I don't have the time to, you know, get heavily into scrapbooking, um, there are ways and we talk about that in the podcast. So I hope you enjoy this. And in the second half of the podcast, we delve into decorating. Home decorating is one of uh, Tracy's things that she loves and is known for. And so we'll talk about that on the second half of the episode. All right, so I hope you enjoy. Okay, so today on the show, my guest is Tracy Claiborne. And Tracy is a co-host of a podcast called The Scrap Gals. And this is, no, it's not a quilting podcast because a lot of my listeners are quilters. (laughs) But um, it's a scrapbooking uh, podcast. And I uh, started listening to it a few years back. And um, Tracy is also a hand lettering artist and a memory keeper. So welcome, Tracy. Thank you so much for coming on my show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. So yeah, I, you know what, I, I'm not like a scrapbooker per se, but I had some interest in it. And that's why your show drew me in like about, I don't know, three years ago. Great. Yeah. And I really enjoyed and I really learned a lot. So um, and I think there are some parallels. And I have met some quilters that also do scrapbooking. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. who do cross, you know, crafts and hobbies. Right. Uh, so and you talked a lot about decorating and I'm an interior designer. So that's another reason why I wanted to have you on the show because it's make and decorate. Right. So yeah, we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to talk about your scrapbooking and the lettering. So let's just jump into this. And uh, first of all, where are you calling from? Like, where do you live? I'm about 20 minutes outside of Nashville, Tennessee. So I'm sure you can tell by my accent. I'm deep in the South. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Uh, Yeah, I, you know, you you have such a great um, voice for the podcast, I think, because I just, you have such a sweet, and I mean this very complimentary, a very like sweet, sugary Southern accent that is easy, <laughs> easy to listen to. And like me, I have a very hard, harsh Chicago accent. <laughs> so I'm in Chicago. But anyway, so yeah, I just like to, you know, point out, and I do have listeners in Nashville. So this is good. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's go to the way, way back. And I want to find out what drew you to memory keeping and your love of home decorating and just being a creative person. Well, you know, I'm not really someone who grew up being a creative person. I talked to a lot of people that were very artistic in their younger years. And then scrapbooking was just a natural transition for them. But I'm someone who really found my creative side later in life. And so I was 31 when I got into memory keeping. And it's because I had a one-year-old baby Mm -hmm. and I had a great camera. I had always loved photography and I had all these incredible pictures of her and wanted to do something with them. Now, as far as decorating goes, I had, that was actually decorating was my hobby before scrapbooking. (laughs) And I have a deep rooted love of decorating that comes from my family. My mother always loved interior design and our home always looked like better homes and gardens magazines. You know, it was kind of like a museum. It was so clean and neat (laughs) and pristine that people were like, does anyone actually live here? (laughs) And then my dad was a master craftsman 
and he would go to furniture stores and sketch out pieces of furniture down to the minute detail. And then he had a woodworking shop in our home and he would make them and they looked exactly like the furniture in the store. And so being around both of them, I guess, gave me a love of houses and home. And we built, uh, as of now, my mom has built seven houses. So we were always building and moving a house. And I love architecture. And I, I think really my dream job in life would be to be a contractor <laughs> and something to do with home. So mm-hmm. I just love cozying at my home. And so I feel like memory keeping and scrapbooking is an easy transition for someone who has a background of loving good design mm-hmm. and it's helpful to know about design when you're going to make a page. And so I had studied design. Really, I would pour over decorating magazines from the time I got married in 1991. So this was about 12 years later that I got into scrapbooking, but I feel like I already had a good firm foundation of design in my head and it, it made it an easy segue for me into scrapbooking. But really for scrapbooking, it was just, I wanted something to do with my photos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so interesting that your parents had that kind of influence. And for your dad to be a master craftsman, that is amazing. Um, because you really do, I think, learn an appreciation for, you know, furniture and how it's made. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just doesn't like appear on a store floor. It, <laughs> so, someone well, makes he was, it. <laughs> he was also a really great photographer. So I don't have very many photos from when I was young, but we have uh, what we do have. They're really great quality and they're well composed. And so, you know, like I said, I didn't I don't when I would look back over my life, like if you would ask me at 25 years old, are you a creative person? Well, I was a singer. I've sang, I've performed since I was six years old. Hmm. And so I would say I'm a singer, but I would, as far as the arts, you know, the visual arts, creative arts, I wouldn't have thought that I had anything like that in me because I, I really couldn't draw. And I did always love handwriting, but <laughs> it wasn't like that was an art. It was just handwriting. But anyway, yeah, it, it was, I guess it was a little bit miraculous when I found my creative side because it's such a huge part of who I am now. Mm-hmm. And I almost didn't find it. You know, if I hadn't had a daughter mm-hmm. and had these beautiful pictures of her, who would I be right now? Because my whole life revolves around being creative now. Yeah, it's just kind of fascinating to think about, you know, how what brings people around to, you know, when when they are um, in a creative, you know, industry or business or surround their life with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, those influences definitely like planted that seed for you. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So, and then, like you said, after you had your baby, I mean, it was a perfect, you know, time to get started because you had that love of photography and you're going to take tons of photographs of your, your baby. <laughs> right. So, but, um, you know, you started scrapbooking though in a very different time of scrapbooking than it is now, because when I was in, you know, college or high school, I think we're kind of in a similar age range. Um, and uh, scrapbooking back then in the like early nineties was do you did you ever make one of those where it was the puffy you put like the batting on there and you covered it with fabric? <laughs> no, you know I I worked as the marketing director at the Salvation Army before I had my daughter, and uh-huh. that was my career in the late nineties. And so okay. our our 
called the major, the boss of the Salish Army, his wife, she was an avid scrapbooker. Well, she used all Creative Memories albums, and they were very neatly made, and she had great pictures of everything that we did at the Army. And she had the best neat handwriting, and she had stickers, and she would show all of this to me. And I was not interested one bit in the way that she was scrapbooking. It wasn't until I was actually on an anniversary trip, actually two days before 9-11, the 9-11, I was in Memphis on an anniversary trip, and I saw a scrapbook magazine, Scrapbooks, etc., mm-hmm. in a Tower Records. We just happened to go in, and I just wanted to buy a magazine to look at on a trip. You know how that goes. Yeah. And so I opened it, and I saw these, we call them layouts, you know, scrapbook pages, and they had t- computer-typed journaling. And then the pages were very neat and clean, and that just appealed to me because mm-hmm. I had always used the computer for a lot, and I had I, I was doing graphic design for my job and creating print ads and billboards and different type of advertising. I had worked in advertising for about about 10 years. And so I learned to do some graphics doing that. And um, when I saw these pages, it looked like something I could actually do versus Mrs. Mirrorfield scrapbooking looked like something that was more handmade and didn't seem like something I could do. (laughs) So I had to see the the style of scrapbooking that, that spoke to me. So I'm glad you brought that up. You know, there are so many different styles of scrapbooking. And even now, even today in 2019, if we had 10 scrapbookers in a room, most of their pages would be completely different styles from the person next to them. Mm -hmm. There's just such a wide variety of styles in scrapbooking. And that's one thing I love about it. You, you just find what you love and what speaks to you. Yeah. And I think that scrapbooking has just um, grown like dramatically since like the late 90s. Because, you know, when I was talking about that album, like that I made it in the early 90s, I mean, like I didn't even know what scrapbooking was. It was just like a cool new thing to do. And, and that was what was what people were doing then. Right. And, and then I didn't pay attention to it because then you, I go to college and then you start working and, you know. So then when I um, started paying attention to it, it's all different. Like you said, it's on the computer. And then we get digital f- cameras and digital right. phones. So it's completely evolved to what it is today. So yeah. um, I just want to talk a little bit about just like the digital versus the tangible tactile paper, um, books printed, uh, stuff like that. Like, you know... Which one, which you said you were, uh, you know, really drawn to like the computer printed layouts, right? Well, this is a hilarious fact about me. I do hand lettering, but I don't love my normal handwriting. <laughs> that, those are two different things, just your regular handwriting. And then your when you do hand lettering, it's more you're drawing the letters. But okay. I... One reason that I was never attracted to scrapbooking for myself was I thought I will not like my handwriting if I write all over the pages. And I knew what I had a lot to say, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I wanted to write on the pages and and then I would try, you know, I would just write and I didn't like it. And so that I think is what drew me when I saw that the journaling was typed up, the story part of the page was typed up. Mm -hmm. But I do love a textural scrapbooking page. I've never been drawn to a completely digital page, be personally because 
it does kind of just seem like something I would create, like a graphic on the computer, and then I would just print it out, and it's very flat. Mm-hmm. Yep. One thing that I really love about scrapbooking is the artistic side of it, not as far as like splattering paint on the page, which some people do, but just the beautiful papers and the stickers and the dimensional embellishment. So I try to kind of combine, I guess you would call that hybrid. Mm -hmm. So I do my journaling on the computer, but everything else that I do, I usually use a physical product. So I do really love, you know, actual products and, and not making them on the computer. But as you said, scrapbooking has evolved. And I think now we're at about a 70, 30, that there are people, the old school scrapbookers who've done it the way they always have. And they still love, you know, the really the same style and look of scrapbooking that they started with. That's probably 70%, maybe 60, 40. There's 30% or 40% that have embraced a newer modern style. Mm -hmm. And and it's very hybrid. A lot of stuff is, is, printed on the computer and it's a very clean and fresh look. Then there's this other group, maybe 10% of those people are, they're throwing paint all over the page. It's very mixed media. Mm. And uh, I think those are kind of the three styles. You have very traditional scrapbooking and then a very modern, fresh hybrid um, look, and then a very mixed media artsy look. In fact, I'm not sure about the ratio of those, but <laughs> there's a percentage for each, you know. <laughs> yeah, but that that helps narrow it down because it's such mm-hmm. a vast, you know, thing, and it it's overwhelming to. You know, it definitely was overwhelming to me. And that's why I liked listening to your show, because I I wasn't even doing it yet. I was just finding out what you guys were doing. And Mm -hmm. and then then you guys like use these little acronyms of like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) what's that one where the pocket pages or whatever? There's some short project live PL. PL, yeah. yeah. (laughs) What the heck is PL? They keep saying PL. (laughs) project We really try to have a variety of of styles and we try to have a variety of guests on the show to represent a variety of styles because we want to have something to appeal to all of our listeners and we're very very aware that everyone doesn't scrapbook like we do Mm -hmm. so we we realize there's just such a wide array of styles and tastes out there that but it Mm -hmm. that is something that it could be difficult but we see it more as an opportunity to talk about a lot of different topics so you know we we thought Mm -hmm. because we're five years in on the scrap gals and I think this week we're on episode 288, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I recently thought, are we going to run out of topics? <laughs> <laughs> we're almost to 300, but we keep, it just something happens. Every time we have a brainstorm session, we actually have all of our shows planned until the end of the year. And we have another list going for next year. Wow. So just the way it's kind of the scrapbook industry is kind of, it has movement. It's alive. It has a, a life of its own and things happen and trends come up and there's things to discuss and there's this new product and there's this new way of doing things. And there's this, let's talk about the old school way. And so it's been fun to try to touch on every different style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If, if someone were to want to start this fresh and they had no clue on what, where to start, where would you direct them to start Project Life? Well, we actually just did a free episode of our show called How to Scrapbook, where we broke this down. And I really, I like Project Life. It's pocket page scrapbooking, so Mm -hmm. you don't need glue. You just slip your picture and a little card in the page in the pockets. And that Mm -hmm. is an easy thing to do, but 
We always recommend that people start with a project that has a beginning and an end. And so I would recommend that you choose some very recent photos that you don't really care that much about. (laughs) You you never want to start with your wedding photos or Mm. your baby's first year or even, you know, a 50th anniversary party. To me, those are precious photos. I would start with, I went on a trip with my girlfriends or, you know, we went to the flea market and these are all the things I took pictures of, or this is what I love about fall right now would be a great topic. Mm. Something like that. And I would choose a smaller size album, probably six by eight. Those are readily available online. You could just search six by eight album Mm -hmm. and you can get little page protectors. Now, some of the page protectors for that size do have divided pockets. So it's kind of a form of Project Life, it's really, it's pocket page scrapbooking, Mm -hmm. but then some of the protectors are going to be full size six by eight pages. Mm-hmm. So you can just make little small layouts. You can even stick things in that album that are not in a page protector. I'm really a lover of things outside the page protector. You can have little flaps that open, little tags that pull out, pages that interact. you can interact with them. Yeah. And so I just say choose a project that has a beginning and an end, a set of photos, 20 to 30 photos. Work on that and see what you think about scrapbooking before you commit to going to the store and buying tons of supplies Mm-hmm. and scrapbooking, quote, all your pictures. You know, that's, yes, so, yes. that's such a commitment. I like for mm-hmm. people to get their feet wet and see what they think about the process. And mm-hmm. then you have this little album you made and you're like, oh, I made a scrapbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I, I love that. And um, because, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, and nowadays people have like, you know, 10,000 photos that they have to filter through. So I think that's a great tip to just pick one thing that has a beginning and end. And then you really narrow down the amount of photos that you have to go through and and do it. I think the thing that keeps people from scrapbooking now and probably why it's not appealing to the masses like it was maybe 15 years ago is the digital photo workflow. It's mm. a pain in the butt. <laughs> it is. And like you said, I have about 6,800 photos on my phone right now, and I am an, a daily deleter. I delete, purge, and edit my photos constantly, but they pile up on me, especially if you have a small child. Mm. I have a, a baby in my life now. One of my best friends had a baby, and I mean, they're piling up on me. And mm. so figuring out your printing process and how you're going to edit your photos, choose the ones you want to scrapbook, send them to a printer or have a printer at home. Mm-hmm. That's the first step that you take towards scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's good. And um, I was going to ask you, too, that um, for, you know, my listeners, that a lot of them are quilters or even um, clothing sewists. Uh, mm-hmm. How would so you kind of already? I guess what you just said would uh, would um, that would apply, but um, how would you organize? Let's say like a, a scrapbook journal for a quilter by project, by year, or you know, as you go. Do you mean if they wanted to document the quilting they were yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah. Because I, oh. I I hear this, um, mm-hmm. you know, from time to time, and I think it's a good topic to address because, you know, quilters do want to. I mean, it's like an art for them, just like scrapbooking sure. is. Mm-hmm. And and I think it would be nice to share like how they can, you know capture these projects and because a lot of times they just move from one to the next to the next and then all right. of a sudden the year has gone by and then, and at first they're like oh I, you know I want have so much 
you know, stuff that I want to make or do. And then they don't even realize like, look at what all you've made in the past year. Right. Um, and then, yeah. And, yeah. So. Well, you know, the standard size for scrapbooking is 12 by 12. And so most people, when they get started, if they want to do a full size album, as I always say it, they would go to a Hobby Lobby or Michaels and get a 12 by 12 album. I'm actually a strange scrapbooker in that I don't love that size. It's so large. I think it's cumbersome to hold and look through. And so I would recommend that they go with an eight and a half by 11 album, which is just, you know, the size of a printer paper, standard piece of paper. And, you know, they could get some dimensional, they're called thickers. They're stickers that are dimensional and you can get those at a craft store. And I could, you could put on the front of that album, like you could get a plain album and you could just write on the front with those thickers quilts and I would start out with a page about why I'm a quilter why I love quilting the story of how I got into it the same things you've asked me here in this show I would write that down for everyone to know mm-hmm. and then if you wanted to do it you could have a section for each year or I don't know how quilters do this but if you make certain types of quilts you yeah. could have categories in there with tab dividers okay but, you know also if you have a home printer, like a Canon Pixma, something that prints really great photos, most will print borderless. So if you, you can easily buy eight and a half by 11 photo paper, I like Canon Luster, mm-hmm. and you could print even a huge picture of a quilt in eight and a half by 11. And then across from that, just have the story of that quilt and why you wanted to make it, um, you know, you could really go into as much detail as you wanted or just make it just about the photos. I wouldn't go out and buy a ton of scrapbook supplies. I would print my photos first and kind of sketch out the album and have a plan. Mm -hmm. I would buy the album and photo paper. I would concentrate on the photos. And then when I saw the colors in the photos, I would go and buy some generic embellishments and papers that maybe floral, just things that went with the way the quilt looked. Okay. You know, Does that make sense? Yes, this is so good because I didn't even think about, I mean, what you're saying is really like making it a story and and writing in there why I'm a quilter. That is brilliant. I love it. And I need to do this Um, because, uh, you know, a lot of times two quilters quilt most of the times. They're quilting for other people. They're making quilts for babies and their kids and family members. So this is perfect. And, and their families do want to know why they, you know, they, 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 this is a a very good, I think, very helpful thing for people who sew and quilt. So we just had an exhibit at the Tennessee Museum in downtown Nashville, and it's the Tennessee State Museum. And you may have heard of this because it's a traveling exhibit going all over the country, but it was all about quilts and the stories behind them. Have you Mm -hmm. heard anything about that? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. And so, (laughs) you know, I should have. I missed it. Yeah. (laughs) It was there all summer. Well, you might want to search it because it's still on a a museum tour. And so it was there all summer long. You could go to the Tennessee State Museum and look at their past events and see the name of it. Oh, all right. And I absolutely hate that I missed that because I wanted to hear the stories behind the quilt. I know that my own grandmother quilted and I have one of her quilts and 
My mom has a couple. My mom even said to me the other day, I might give away one of grandmama's quilts. I said, don't you dare. No. Like she was going to ask one of our other relatives, did <laughs> she have one? I was like, don't do it. No, yeah. But unfortunately, my grandmama's, let's what we called her, her quilts are not that attractive because mm-hmm. she used our clothes, all of her grandchildren's clothes from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, double net polyester. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> to the that they are orange and teal and green and purple. I mean, psychedelic, man, you know. And so it's not really something I want to put in my home, but I treasure it and love it. And we, I don't, I don't want to use it that much because then I'll have to wash it. I don't yeah. wash it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's great. I am going to look up that exhibit because I may have heard of it, but I don't want to say because it's not ringing a bell with me yet. (laughs) So, um, all right. And the the other thing, too, that I thought I would add to that is that, you know, as as embellishments, they can also put like little swatches of the fabrics they used on on the quilt on some of these pages. That's what I I would do. Sorry to interrupt you. I (laughs) don't even think you could quilt a cover to slide over. The album. Oh. I would buy a very plain album, yeah. and then I would literally quilt a cover. And even if you had to just cover it, like where it just wraps around and you secure it on the inside of the album, then you could take some really thick chipboard or cardstock and cover those seams mm-hmm. on the inside, or even fabric. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not quilty, but <laughs> no, but that's a great idea. <laughs> you could see that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's great about scrapbooking. And quilting and all of these creative outlets is that there, there's just the, the, you know, ideas are endless and the amount yeah. of creativity is whatever you put into it. And it's, right. it's your unique expression and no one else is making the same thing. That's what right, I Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So the other thing I learned when I started listening to you guys and your co-host is Tiffany Louder. I don't know if yes. I said that before, but I love her. She is hilarious. She is. <laughs> She is hilarious. She, what's so funny is I've always been the funny one in my life, and now she's the funny one because she makes me laugh so hard. I know you are. You do laugh a lot, no. and I do too. Oh my gosh! You guys it's, together crack me up. Yeah, she is just so. She's very um, self-deprecating, yeah. and she's you know very sarcastic, sassy. We just came out with a line of, of new printables for our subscribers called Story Snark. <laughs> she's so snarky that she, you know, put some of her sayings into printables. So everybody loves <laughs> love it about it. Yeah, yeah. And she, I love hearing she travels a lot. And yes, and she's a teacher. So she'll take like her summers and, and yes. do this like magnificent trip and, you know, talk about the photos that she's you know, taking and it's, it's just fun. It's fun to, she's living the dream. Let me tell you. I don't know, right? (laughs) We can live vicariously through her. Exactly. I have to, because I'm scared to get on a plane for that long. I really will. I don't, I don't really fly anymore. I've given up. I don't like to do it that much either. (laughs) I can't fly to Europe or Australia or New Zealand. She went to New Zealand recently. Ooh, wow. Yeah. They're a whole day ahead of us. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's a really long, like several flights, I think. I mean, there's mm-hmm. not, there can't be one that goes straight through, I'm sure. I don't think so. I have no clue. <laughs> it right. gives me anxiety. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that, that's your co-host. And um, so when I was listening, I had no idea about the journaling. And I think that's what really makes scrapbooking, you know, what it is. Because it's not just albums of photographs. That right. says nothing. It's. 
the person's way of um, narrating their stories and and journaling. So you talk about sometimes you talk about four by six cards and this travel journal. So talk a little bit about that. Well, Tiffany is an English teacher and has been for 25 years. Mm-hmm. So she's a high school English teacher. So, of course, she has a way with words. And we are very story focused. Our show is all about, I would say, the over arching theme of our show is telling your own story now. Mm-hmm. And we kind of transitioned as the years have gone on. We're talking about that more and more. And really in scrapbooking, there are some people who don't care at all about telling a story with their scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. They really are into it for the preservation of their photos, the fun of playing with the stuff and the artistic side. And we totally get that. So we try not to say too much about story in every show. We try mm-hmm. not for every show to be about that. You know, we don't want to, turn people away who don't care about that. But we really feel like if we have a mission in life, it is to get people to think about the narrative of their life, their own story, and how they can document and record it in a way that someone could read it later when they're gone and really get a good picture of who they are, what they cared about, what was important to them, and their values and everything like that. So we really do talk about that a lot. Now, as far as physically doing it, I think it's what you're asking me too. Mm-hmm. That's one reason that I love to journal on the computer and do my computer and type it and print it out. Oh, yeah. I can do my journaling and type it and print it out because I can sit and write more easily when I'm typing. It mm-hmm. just flows out of me versus mm-hmm. having to care about the way it looks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Tiffany is the opposite. Even when it's a long story, well, she does some type journaling, but she usually just writes out her story. Okay. And I think it's a quicker process when you're scrapbooking. If you're writing out your story, you know, you just, you never have to go to your computer and worry about formatting things. But mm-hmm. I really love to print things. So you can print your story on a piece of vellum. You can, um, like you were talking about pocket pages, you could use a little four by six or three by four card and slip it in. But what I actually do is my standard size of scrapbooking would be six by eight or eight and a half by 11. So what I do is I move everything around before I commit to gluing anything down. And I find the place where the story is going to be on the page. And then I use some pencil marks and make a place on the page and kind of eyeball it. And I type it up and I run my background piece for my scrapbook page through the printer first. Mm. So I usually put my journaling down first and then I build the page around that. I've always done that since the beginning of my scrapbooking. That's like just kind that. of how I do it. Yeah, I like that. All right, good. That's a great tip. Um, yeah, because it's, it, you know, for people like me who <laughs> doesn't, you know, I don't do that on a normal like hobby basis, but um, just to get an idea of how to incorporate that. And that's a good starting place is to print well, out on your background and then arrange your photos around that story. And let me tell you one tip too. This is a really popular look, and it was, I think, started by Allie Edwards, who's like the uh, guru of scrapbooking. <laughs> She's kind of the it girl in scrapbooking oh. right now. Everybody just looks to her for inspiration. And, and so she really has um, developed a style of, let's say, in a six by eight album, she puts one full page six by eight photo on the left. For instance, and then on the right, she pairs that with a full page of journaling. 
And so it probably doesn't completely, it's probably the journaling part is not eight inches tall. It's more like it starts about a third of the way down. So she has a little, a little space at the top for your eye to rest. And, you know, she, she just writes her story and then she'll put some kind of little icon or sticker or something cute at the top of the journaling just to give it a little sass, you know, (laughs) and then maybe she'll add some embellishments to the photo too, but not a lot. So it's a very clean Look, this is really modern scrapbooking as we think about it. If you want to see that style, go to AllieEdwards.com because she's really the model of inspiration for people who, who love to do that style. And so the thing to keep in mind is if you have a lot of stories you want to tell about your life, you really, it's that simple. You just have a picture on one side and the story on the other side. And it's clean, it's neat, it's uh. easy and quick. I like that. That's really cool. And that's also very good for people who are short of time. Or, Uh you know what I mean? That's great. I love that. Okay, cool. And um, so, yeah, I just wanted to give my listeners just a good, like, kind of overview of of the scrapbooking scene and Uh your your podcast with Tiffany. And um, uh, I'll put this in the show notes, but go ahead and tell people where they can find you for your Scrap Gals podcast. Okay, our show is now exclusively on Podbean, we have a premium podcast. So you can't go to the podcast app on your phone, like on an iPhone, and find us. We are now only available on Podbean. It is $5 a month for a Scrap Gal subscription, and that includes a one-hour new show each week. It comes out on Tuesday morning. And then we also offer our subscribers a an assortment of printables and digital content that we come out with every month. So, for instance, in October, we just released eight three-by-four cards and two four-by-six cards in a fall theme. And then we every month we have gratitude cards that you can print out. Even if you don't scrapbook, you can just print out this gratitude card. It has lines on it for you to write down your blessings and what you're thankful for that month. We have the behind-the-scenes videos and we have tip sheets. So if we, let's say we do a show about 25 ways to create backgrounds. That's one that's coming up. We'll have a sheet that you can print out with the tips of 25 ways. We do worksheets. Like we just did a show about documenting exceptional people in our life. And then we had an interview worksheet where you can print that out and do an interview with the people in your life that you want to document. We have, I mean, it's so much bonus content. That's something we've just started in the last about three months ago in July okay. 2019. Oh, wow. So a Scrap Gal subscription for $5 a month is more than just the podcast. Yeah. It is the podcast. It's sketches for your pages. It's a lot of other inspiration. And then we also have a community, the Scrap Gals community on Facebook with 10,000 crafters. So you oh, can yeah. talk to everyone else about scrapbooking. Yes, I'm in that group. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, and I took a look at your principles, the fall ones that you have coming out. You have a little snapshot of it, and they're great. That's such a, I mean, you guys really, like, reward <laughs> your your uh, people who subscribe every month. And you do a podcast every week. I only do a podcast twice a month, so every other week. Well, and our podcast is normally, it's supposed to be one hour, but it, lately it's been an hour and a half. Every mm, yeah, I, I wanted to say, I meant to say this earlier, you can go to thescrapgals.com and it has a complete explanation of everything that we do, what you get and how to subscribe. Thescrapgals.com. Okay, great. And I will put all of this in show notes, but it's sometimes people don't, don't go there. So. Right. 
Thanks for listening to the Make and Decorate podcast. The podcast is produced, edited, and hosted by Stephanie Socha, me. And you can find the show notes at my website, stephaniesochadesign.com. You can find me on Instagram. And remember to rate and review and check out my Patreon page. Bye-bye.